Thank you very much. Thank you, Jenna. And now I would like to invite up to the stage the talented and distinguished Mr. Brett Layden to accompany me for the next two songs. So um, a little about me, I am Samantha Echo. I'm named after a Greek nymph. My parents named me after a Greek nymph. And um, I'm a nymph of the mountains, I'm an Oread. Um, so I, it's because I, I hail from the mountainous regions of upper Manhattan. I feel like it's very far away from here. I feel like I'm in Oz right now, it's crazy. Um, so this next song is um, gonna get me kicked out of New York forever. And um, it's, um, it's a really depressing song about New York and mean people and it's, in it, um, New York is kind of like Narcissus, and I guess I'm, the person singing it is like Echo. So, that's me. Um, it's called New York Says.
Thank you. Um, I'm glad you like that depressing song so much. Samantha Echo, live at the bitter end. And I was fortunate enough to interview Samantha for episode three of Strange Currencies, wherein we discussed her influences, her intentions, and our current culture of seeming never-ending adolescence. Hope you enjoy. Open mic uh, a while ago. I think like eight Which or one nine. Was it? Bitter end. Uh, bitter end. I love that. Yeah, that's like one of my favorites. And you had this uh, line, yeah, "Ghost World" or oh, phrase yeah. "Ghost World." And I song. And like I was half asleep, and I didn't really want to be there that day. Uh, I kind of like forced myself to go because I had a show and I wanted to practice. Blah blah blah. And I was like really out of it, and like you went on like first or second. Um, no, it's fine. Thanks. This is good. This is what I want. I want it to be, like, alive, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. you know, like, you, you hear, like, podcasts, and they're, like, in a studio, which is cool, but, like, I, I like the idea, especially because it's New York City, talking yeah. like, New York City artists, I like the idea of, like, it being lively in the background or whatever as I, like, talk about it. Cool. Like, I have but, a loud voice. You're lucky yeah, that you enjoy yes, someone with a really loud, I, totally. piercing, obnoxious yes. speaking, no, not obnoxious, but, like, speaking yeah. voice. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, like, I heard you say that line in the song, sing that line in the song, and I was like, oh, I was like, that's weird. I was like, who is this person? Wow. Like, I really, yeah, I really yeah. like and I listen to your stuff and I'm, I'm happy to be like interviewing you right now. So Thank like you. The, the first thing I, I usually ask or I think I'm gonna ask is like just to kinda describe your your background uh, and how it like connects musically. Okay. So my background just in general. Yeah. Just like everything. Okay, so I was born to um, to middle class bohemian writers and um in Washington Heights, and um, so I, I feel like they they gave me, they placed a real emphasis on literature in my life. They're always correcting my grammar. Um, my dad is actually my, my songwriting partner a lot of the time, and my, my songwriting mentor. His name is Philip Margulies, and he's a novelist. I went to school um, on the Upper East Side. I went to these magnet schools, Manhattan New School, and um, East Side Middle School, and so I kind of... Um, I, I was always, I never had many friends. I was, I was very lonely as a child. I always commuted between neighborhoods and like, I was kind of like the only non-rich kid in my circle of friends. Like, cause my parents, um, they, they didn't, they were, they were writers and like, we were never poor. Like we were, we always had like enough money for stuff, but I never had like the extra stuff that all my friends had. Um, so I kind of felt, um, but I wasn't poor either. So I kind of felt like I didn't fit into like either the, the very rich or the very poor category of New York. I felt like I was just like kind of in this middle place and I think it for a while it was hard to know how to take care of myself when I when I started growing up and it's kind of I still feel kind of like a child in a lot of ways but I went to the Bronx High School of Science as a as a teenager after going to like these very nurturing um, magnet school hippie type schools on the Upper East Side of the school Bronx High School of Science I absolutely hated it it was just awful and um, which just wasn't for me I mean I, I went there to prove that I was smart because I studied, I studied classical music since I was six years old, and I wanted to pursue. I wanted to like see. I, you know, as a teenager, I was egotistical. I wanted to see if I could like prove myself in other areas of life, and it didn't work. Like I was just really stressed out. I didn't like it. Then I went to Manhattan School of Music um, for 
a year and a half, and then I dropped out. And then I started writing songs almost immediately after I dropped out. And I started going to open mics um, just a couple years ago, and I put out my first EP in um, 2015. It's like, just my, you've listened to it, it's yes. called Why Should I Cry? And I'm doing my first arranged EP called Poison Skies. It's like the first one with full band arrangements of all my of seven of my songs. It's coming out in October, and so I'm working in the studio on that right now. And I might go on tour next month with Mayan, who is my fellow musician in um, Chicago and Philadelphia and California. It's still kind of up in the air, but like I'll keep you everyone posted. Yeah. Like if we do fundraisers, and um, yeah, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 22. And so I've been on my own for a while, and I live with two roommates. I really like them. Um, for, you know, they're they're both artistic, but not like pursuing it as a main thing. And I started studying um, belting and pop technique because I've studied classically since I was a since I was a kid. And I started I started transitioning into folk music and pop music when I was um, about, like, three years ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, one of the things I find really interesting, I mean, you mentioned, you know, incorporating... Oh, and I studied Hunter. Yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah, so go that's, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my whole biography. That's everything. Yeah. Kyle McCann uh, is a professor there. He's a novelist. He oh, changed, cool. Yeah, he changed my life, one of his books. Anyways, I met him, like, a couple weeks ago, which is crazy. It's a weird coincidence. Nice. Um, you mentioned, like, incorporating, like, folk elements. Something, like, I find interesting about watching you perform is uh, your songs, your individual songs seem to have like a synthesis of these styles like individually where it's not as if you do one song and it's kind of one way and you do another song. It's right. almost like each song incorporates the different styles in it of itself, which I find like really, really interesting. Thank I you. I mean, is that something you're consciously yeah. trying to do? I'm glad to hear you say that. I mean, so, I mean, sometimes I, it's something I just do naturally. I think that, I mean, one of the things my dad I've been not criticized, but like, well, my dad's my dad's my songwriting partner, and he's he's like the genius behind like a lot of behind my writing. Like he kind of he mentored me as a writer because he's um, he's a novelist and he's um, much older than I am. So obviously my dad. So he um, so he he's my songwriting mentor. But like one of the things he criticizes is that like he thinks I'm too theater. He thinks there's too much musical theater influence in my songs. And I sort of do it unconsciously, but the fact is I've been, that was my first love. I've been listened to musical theater since I was five years old. Like, literally since I was a baby. Since before then, like, the first song I ever learned how to sing was I Could Have Danced All Night from My Fair Lady when I was two. Like, there's actually a video of me when I was two, so I think, like, no matter, like, you can take the girl out of the musical theater, but you can't take the musical theater out of the girl. So I think we live in a time where, where, where that's receptive to blending different genres. I think that unconsciously I'm also influenced by Motown and um, and by classical music and cabaret music, but it's it's definitely a subconscious thing. It's not something I do intentionally. And I don't know I don't know what style I, what style of music I would call my style. I guess I would call it um, cabaret cabaret yeah. folk. Like that. What do you think? You can invent that. Like, that yeah, ca- cabaret folk. Yeah. Like very. It's it's a folk that I like. Uh, and I and I like I like a lot of folk. Uh, but like I really like what you 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 do like a very like old world kind of like eighteen hundreds kind of feeling like yeah, yeah. like yeah. you know kind of picture a bar and a sea town on the harbor 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's kind of like when I see you like employ that. Like, Thank you. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to describe uh, like your 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 style. Like I I was like thinking that like if if I could like pin it down. So I think like cabaret folk probably is like a pretty that that kind of yeah yeah. But even still, like and writing wise, I feel like you do a lot of things like lyrically. Uh, so anyway, to my prepared thoughts. Uh, uh, would you mind discussing uh, your personal impression of Manhattan? I feel like uh, you describe the city so vividly. Ah, Lines like uh, tie, the, uh, tie up the city with lights, in lights, and uh, on sleep is my country. We're calling it a ghost world, which I mentioned before, which yeah. I like. I, yeah, like, you know, that feeling of like wandering, you know, mm-hmm. if you're like walking in the city on like an overcast day in the morning or, or afternoon, and like, I, I felt like at times it was like catatonic. Like, everyone seems like walking in like slow motion or yeah. somewhere else. So, like, I thought that I really, really like that it's, line a lot. It's interesting that you have that, that that's like what you associated it with, with um, is New York. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, because in, I kind of, so the one you, remember I say Ghost World is James the Baby Man, which is kind of about, it's about my relationship with classical music. Um, I mean, it seems to be a love song on the surface, but it's also, so when I say Ghost World, it's just kind of like about being burnt out. Yeah. But it can also be seen as New York City. Like, it's all so it's kind of a song about the relationship between New York City and the very pressured um, artistic world. So it's um so yeah so that's definitely a really good interpretation. Um, it can definitely be seen as a as a description of New York. But I guess when I when I describe New York in my songs, I'm also just describing the world because um it's funny I was actually thinking about this today. Like I wasn't even thinking about um saying it in the interview, but it's funny that you asked me about um about Manhattan. But I was kind of the way I think of. I think of myself a lot um, as I've, since I've been performing more and going to more open mics and meeting more people. I think of myself as kind of a, an anomaly as a native New York. Like I, I see the people who come here right. and they're all excited and they come from different places that they've never seen it before yeah. and they come here to pursue their career and I kind of feel like as someone, I felt for a while as someone who was born here, it's like being born in New York, it's like being born like on top of the world and right. <laughs> there's nowhere to go but down, you know, like you've seen it all, you get very jaded, but at the same time, you know, I have a, I have a very strong love for New York I really appreciate being born here but it's like what do I do like how do I see the world how do I branch out how, what do I do with this thing that I was this privilege was born with I had a friend uh, in grad school Tom and he had this uh, status up there I still remember it was like two years ago I, I thought it was like such an intelligent thing to say and he was talking about the city Manhattan and he, he said there's almost like a feeling of like you know like when you're going somewhere yeah. and you have a feeling of like I'm going somewhere and yeah. there's like a sense of momentum behind what you're doing it's almost like when people are native New Yorkers or they've been here for a while and they're just here it's, it's like this feeling of like I'm here and like now what you know, you know exactly. it's like there's yeah. what now you know we're like where else is there to so like yeah. and I thought you know that was like such an intelligent like way to put it and now that I'm like saying it to you right now it actually reminds me of uh, Visions of Johanna uh, Dylan's song he says uh, you sit here stranded though we're all doing our best to deny it which oh, I wow. think is like another that's, cool that's, way yeah, of putting it line. yeah 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 more Dylan I, I listen to a little bit yeah like my favorite one is um, so far stuck inside a mobile yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and then the song. one where it's like there's something I forget what it's called there's something going on here where you don't know what oh it's yeah Ballad of the Thin Man those Great are my song. two favorites right now but I need to improve my Dylan theme ah. I, feel like, I feel like everyone else who goes to the and has well, more about Dylan. Yeah, well, yeah, because he, he, he was there. He was actually there. Uh, the, the funny thing, he wasn't there when he was a 
folk artist, I don't think, because it wasn't, well, it was open, and he might have, but, like, I, I know him more for being there in the 70s, after he was already very, he moved back to the city briefly in the 70s before uh, his obsessive fans kind of chased him, <laughs> chased him back out, but uh, that was, I think it was called the bottom line back then, but yeah, I have an interesting relationship with that place, because I, I really, like, idealized that place oh, it's great. quite a bit, I yeah, love Evan. and it ended up, like, yeah, it ended up, like, just being somewhere, like, I go, which is, like, so weird, because, like, yeah. when I was, like, 22, <laughs> Or 21, and I didn't even start playing guitar, mm-hmm. and I knew about the very. I ended up like being somewhere I go to like do shows, and it's just like weird. Like yeah. life can be like weird like that. Yeah, it can be. <laughs> I feel like Bitter End has a lot of benevolence for me. Yeah. But of all the places I've been, I feel like it's one of the places that has like the most. It has good energy. Like it has this kind of. There's a magic to it. Because I feel like I remember I sought out um, a show. Like I, I, I actually. I, the first way I, I ended up performing there was I was in the singer-songwriter showcase, and I just submitted my stuff, and um, somebody recommended, somebody who I'd worked with recommended that I submit something, and I'm like, okay, I need to like take initiative, and like, and I think this would be a good place for me to perform, and um, I sort of like made a New Year's resolution that I was going to just be more proactive in my career, which is like, which is like, it, it was a long time coming. Like, I feel yeah. like that's one of the challenges I've encountered um, as, like, a very introverted writer type, which I think you appreciate in my lyrics. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it was hard for me to, like, actually get myself out there. So yeah. I was, like, so submitting myself to Bitter End was, like, submitting my stuff to Bitter End was, like, one of the first actions I took. And I was, like, okay. Like, I'll, I just submit it. And then just the person who wrote back to me, um, I think it was Larry Oaks. He was, like, oh, your stuff was, like, really, really good. You know, I just yeah. wanted to let you know you were, like, you know, one of the best people. Well, he, I don't know if he said in so many words, but he was just, like, you know, it was really good. Like, yeah. I, like, I was like, okay, you know, and because like coming from the bitter end, that's like, that means, yeah, yeah, that means something. And I was like, it just gave me a lot of encouragement. Then I did a show, I did, um, I was in the showcase there and it went really well. And then I actually like called up and asked to have my birthday show um, at the bitter end a couple months later. And um, it was actually, it was one of the first times I felt like I was being really proactive in terms yeah. of my career. But then when I went there, I like, I met Evan and he invited, he actually invited me to come to the open mic and I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like, so it was like, it felt like it was this real equal relationship of me putting myself out there and then just being really encouraged yeah. on the other end. And like sort of, I haven't experienced it, that such things like that much in my life. Like yeah. it was like one of the first experiences I had where I felt like it was this equal relationship. Yeah, that's 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 always good uh, to get like some encouragement. I could, I mean, speaking personally, like I could be a lot better about when someone says they like what I'm doing. But like, really, like take it hard and appreciate that they like took the time to like. Yeah. Because sometimes, like I know, I not that I like focus on the negative, but if, if, uh, it's almost like I, I try. I don't want to like have an e- inflated ego or whatever. Right. And yeah. it's almost like you kind of like almost or me like I mentally like if someone like says like a compliment I like almost throw it out. Cause, yeah. Like, you don't want, but like yeah, like you need it sometimes though because it's hard. All right. this shit is hard to do. Like sure. you know, putting yourself out there, yeah. trying to get booked, doing a show like it can be like taxing. So yeah. like yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now you, you did talk uh, a bit about uh, theatrical influence. Uh, I actually noticed um, on all four songs on the EP, there is a character and the opposition on all four songs, which is like such a, and I I actually, uh, I I read an interview with Jack White once where he said that's like the most important part, the most important part about songwriting to make sure there's opposition in the song as a whole, 
there's yeah. a conflict going on even between uh, you and the I see I felt like the conventional world on like sleep is my country like yeah. you know convention conventional roles or whatever so like um, in terms of like your writing process like do you have set things that you want to get to in a song or do you kind of like take each one like almost unconsciously like how conscious are you about like these kinds of things themes characters conflict is it something that like enters your mind while you're writing or um I'm actually no like I don't think of it in those specific terms yeah, like yeah. conflict or like in like I, I'd be interested to like for you to explain more about about sure. that like what you observe um but but my process is more like and I my process is like definitely it's a lot slower than I'd like it to be I feel like so I, I basically I have I have this chaotic like hundreds and hundreds of pages of notes. Like, I just get I get these like little poetic lines in my head. They just pop into my head just like about ways just from being like really pessimistic and depressed I just get all these you know as a lot of po- po- poetic people are you know because like you know I, I consider myself like literary if I may say so because like I you know letter poet blah 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 you know I come from something of a literary background so I like I get mostly like I get just little snippets of ideas, both melodic and um, and poetic, and then I just try to synthesize them. And then basically, when I write a song, I kind of when I think I do think of structure, I do think of the chorus, I think of it as like mostly I think of it just in terms of each line being a killer, just in each line just like getting to the root of an emotion and expressing exactly what I want to express. And then the chorus is usually the most difficult part. The chorus, I feel like, should express the essence of the song. So that's kind of how I think of it. Like that, um, I think of it as like just these lines that kind of paint a picture that transport you and then the chorus being like the essence of like an emotion. Yeah. That sounds kind of cliche. No, not at all. I meant for it to sound like less cliche, <laughs> no, but it's no. like, it's very, it's like a subconscious yeah. process kind of like, I, I guess I don't really, yeah. maybe I'd have to do it faster if I did it like more. Yeah, no, that's fine. I don't know. Yeah. Everyone has their own way of getting yeah. where they're trying to go. I mean, when you said uh, essence, like it yeah. made me think like, that's like the interesting thing about songwriting but like a lot of interesting things is like to be like a literary writer you deal with like a lot of logistics you deal with a story developing character developing even if you're writing like the most abstract thing there has to be like some kind of movement going on and songs are like that too but a song like as as you say it's it's more about it's not so much about I feel like getting from point A to point B it's almost as if you're going from like point A to point B but you're more trying to capture what's between the points and that's like what you're I don't know yeah, it's I just different line, it's I have a different, line you know what I, mean? I have like, a line about like between things between the points and, like, yeah yeah it's one that like I don't perform that often it's called When She Lives it's about a fairy like I'm not completely satisfied with the tune I might like get someone to help me with the tune because I have a new collaborator but it's like in the moments between the moments when no one is looking she lives mm, that's so really good kind of, <laughs> that's like, a really good line and yeah. then like I have this other um, line like once the pain's been squeezed from me there's nothing left but ecstasy so it's kind of about it's, it's very much I deal a lot with the subconscious in, yeah. like, in a lot of my songs like I guess it's Sleep is My Country too and like even in the ones that aren't about the subconscious like I feel like words and melodies should have an effect of like making you feel like you're part of the environment and like for me it's New York City but like it's like I try to synthesize like the environment with what I'm saying I try to synthesize like the basically 
supposed to be like background music or like the musical that is life. Yeah. yeah. Do you have uh, any specific literary like reference points in terms of like writers you like admire, fiction um, writers you admire? I really like um, Francesca Leah Block. She's um she's this California writer of um of like young adult fiction. I read her a lot when I was in high school, and she sort of she writes contemporary fairy tales for teenagers basically, and they reference a lot of Greek mythology, but she tells them like in terms of um like uh in terms of contemporary stories that it's kind of like a magic realism, like there are fairies in it, but you don't know whether they're like real or whether right, they're right. people's heads. Um, so I feel like I was influenced by her, and then also um. F. Scott Fitzgerald nice. and um, I guess I mean Leonard Cohen who's a songwriter yeah, yeah. and um, Oscar Wilde Oscar Wilde sure um, Irish yes yeah are you Irish, Irish? Fr- yeah half oh, yeah. I'm not but I'm Irish yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 and then I guess like um Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I'm so impressed by it. I, I feel like his his words and his and his fiction, like they're so clear. They, yeah. So it's almost like they're cut out of stone or something. I don't know. There's like just something so strong about his writing. Yeah, you know, I, like, that's what I like. So that's like, what I look for in, in writing. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's all it's all rewriting. I, I think it's where it comes from. Those good lines. Um, I really uh, enjoy your your phrasing on the slut of Denmark, okay. uh, like the way you say uh, tavern in the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the song, and uh, you know, like stuff like. And uh, it, it made me curious about like, do you like uh, enjoy recording? Because some artists like don't record because they kind of like feel a need to record to put their stuff down, yeah. documented. Mm-hmm. Do you like enjoy recording your voice? Do you enjoy like putting down a song on a, on a record or whatever? I yeah, yeah. I, I love recording. I think that like it's kind of unfashionable for any kind of a performer to say they love recording because I feel like everyone's like, oh my god, live performance. There's nothing like live performance. But I feel like that's true. Like because when you see someone live, you get to like experience their spirit in real time. If they're a good performer, if they're like a, some people are terrible live and they're much better recorded but if, if you're experiencing someone who's like a very talented performer and someone who has like star quality then it's like it can be a magical experience and um of course like I appreciate musical theater and that's all about live performance but when you hear recording it's like it really challenges space and time like you can listen to it over and over you can be I feel like if I'm if I'm giving a recording to someone I'm like putting it out in the universe. I'm like you, like I didn't know that you were such a fan of mine. I didn't know. Like you like I put myself out there and yeah. you independently found right. me. And that's, that's like nice. that's yeah. magical. Yeah, that's yeah. like having like a fairy dust like go like into the universe. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's yeah. like so I feel like I really do love recording. Um I mean I think that when it's recording vocals is challenging because you need to make sure you work with your sound engineer to make it capture what your voice sounds like right. live because like it will really depend on the filter you use like there there are things that can go wrong that are very bad but like if you have those things under control and you learn which settings you like then you can really like preserve the map of live music too and it also just you know like recorded music has immortality in it. like yeah. we can listen to stuff like I listen I can listen to like a ragtime thing from the 20s and like here and it'll it'll be like a different quality of recording because it's like recorded on different devices but like it's from will be something from like almost a century ago that I'll be listening to and it's like you know it's like it's happening and also I mean I like to think about giving like about 
just like the internet and about people listening to recorded music as like this is giving the control to the listener because like sometimes like as a as a fan like I'll listen to the same song over and over and over and over again and like nobody knows like I'll just be like dancing to it in my room and nobody has to know about it it's just like going on inside my head and I feel like if that's happening with my music that's like a really profound like personal experience and like that song sort of belongs to the listener at that point so I do yeah so I really like recording definitely yeah Yeah, I I like it too Uh, I actually really like I like messing around with sound I do I work with GarageBand so I record by myself I accidentally am like an expert at it because I've been using it for like five years oh, that's or whatever. Great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now that song, uh, the Slut of Denmark, it's really interesting. I have like written this like I was trying to like uh-huh. write one question and I was like I kinda got like lost in like what I what I was even trying to say. It's it's a very like intricate song. Like I, I feel like uh, and it's can't really I feel like be like pinned down to a specific thing that it's saying. Because, uh, like, at first I was, like, thinking, like, oh, like, I feel like this is about, you know, the fungibility of, like, this male figure being replaceable. Uh, and I was, like, listening to it more. And I was like, no, there's, like, other things going on when, when you're, like, talking about, you know, giving herself over to the dark. Um, yeah. That, and, and I was like, hmm. So, like, what, what's going on in that song? <laughs> like, like, okay, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like, mean, it kind of is about, I guess, like, you, you did touch on something when you yeah, said yeah. Yeah replaceability of a male figure. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think fungible? Fungible. I don't even know what that means. Fungible. Know. A replaceable. Same. That's, that's a nice word. No yeah. other new word. There, you can use that yeah. like, because like, you're right, like, dark 
could be like a lot of different things, but the yeah. more it, it, it felt like, yes, like giving yourself over. I was even in terms of like exile, almost like exile, an exile that could from be a good word. Yeah. like one of my favorite words. this familiar <laughs> thing or this familiar, yeah. yeah, yeah. So totally, that's, that's very, yeah. very interesting. So yeah, it's really, in the end is about self-acceptance, but accepting the darkness within like, right. within all of us and the people we love. So that's kind of like, mm. it's actually, I think it sends a very like, feels like a Nietzschean message almost, right. which is why I'm glad that you, that you appreciate so like I, I listened to your EP again last night while I was preparing like the questions and gosh you know, so I was procrastinating as I usually do and I was watching uh, Billy Corgan I'm a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan he's doing like a Q&A and and I kind of enjoy watching his Q&As he does with fans because he's just kind of yeah, yeah he's good he's, he's people don't the, the very interesting thing I'll say without like going like way off topic is which I didn't realize before I like really listened to the albums he's a very good writer very good writer yeah. like you and like you have the impression I have the impression like very hard rock uh, anthems the anthems tonight tonight whatever yeah. he's a really songwriter like deep cuts on albums I'm not yeah. familiar with him at all really good I think you you'd really let, and yeah with yeah. your like an album like Adore which I feel is like very gothic like I think you might really uh, an album like Adore uh, came out like 1998 very gothic I feel like you might like it anyways he was coincidentally because I ended up like listening to your stuff again he was talking about that we have a culture of never ending adolescence yes and uh, and he was and he's he was positing it you know like you know he was giving like a harsh critique of it which is totally fair because uh, I, I, I guess he feels like as a musician who has sold a lot of albums and has yeah. had a mainstream standing, yeah. that maybe that the mainstream, modern mainstream audience won't respond to his work intellectually because it's a right. you know an adolescent yeah. culture or whatever. So he and then you have um, it, it actually made me think of you know connecting everything. There was uh, this dude um, uh, Lou uh, Luminic. Uh, who writes for uh, the, one of the tabloids, and, and he wrote this uh, essay about how uh, adult the idea of adulthood is so uh, driven by like a white male domination. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. So he, yeah. he was kind of in his essay, he was like positing a reverse that this like culture of never never ending adolescence yeah. is is not so bad. It's not bad at all actually. Yeah, he was, I agree he was that. endorsing it because yeah. it's it because what is the default? You know, like right. the default is this like well. So like that that made me th- and then listening to James the Baby Man, I felt like it all kind of yeah, connected. Yeah, it is definitely about and that. It, yeah. And it made me want to ask you like how you feel about like that this yeah. kind of idea. Well, like, kind of. I think it goes back to like I think that goes back to what I said in Slut of Denmark about acceptance. I feel like there have been screwed up things about every era in time, and I think that like um, I mean I definitely don't feel like an adult, and I think my my songs um songs explore like kind of the nostalgia with the yes. Yeah. I kind of see myself as like the boy, this heartbroken nostalgia within everyone, right. and this like desire to get back to innocence. But I also kind of feel like um, I I feel like this whole thing like was I feel like this is a product of I feel like what happened in the seventies when like the people I mean there was a sexual revolution, um, there was feminism, like the beginning of women's lib. I feel like that was the beginning of um, of the the Peter Pan syndrome. I feel like they they laid the foundation like the Generation X people 
um, or maybe it was, it was the cusp of like Generation X or whatever, they laid the foundation for our never-ending never adolescence because it was this great thing. It happened like before then, there was so much oppression, you know, of gay people, of women, like it was this freedom that needed to happen, but I feel like as a result, in some ways, we feel like we have too much freedom in certain ways. We don't, and I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I'm all, I'm pro-freedom, but like the next millennial, I get really confused and just like really, I feel very stunted. I feel like I'm stuck, you know, and my, my song addressed that, so I feel like yeah. you can get to me through that. Um, and I think it's a product of like us just feeling our way through our freedom and through our liberation. And so I think it's like, I can't say, I think it's a, it's a product of, um, of what happened, you know, in like the couple of, of decades before, which is like, which needed to happen. It's like, we had this revolution, but as a result, we we're trying to figure out what direction, now that I have this freedom, now that I, um, I don't, like, like, do I know what to do with myself? Now that nobody is, like, forcing me to right, do stuff right, right, right. that I don't want to do, like, what the hell do I do yeah, with myself? Yeah. And so I think it's just, like, it goes with the territory. Yeah. And we just have to accept it. But, but I think that, like, um, you know, in general, you know, we all get afraid of growing old. We're all afraid of, like, of death. You know, there are things in the real world that we have to do with, that we have to deal with whether we like it or not. And that's the real danger. That's the real frightening um, part of it. Um, but I think that, you know, just, just looking back, you know, people, society is just so fucked up. Like, people, there's so much, there's been so much injustice, you know, in every way, in every era, and we have our own unique problems to deal with, and when people look back at us 400 years later, they'll be talking about how screwed up we were. Yes. Yeah. I, I think the, I, I, yeah, that's a really cool uh, answer. Uh, maybe, I think a, a lot, like, I almost felt like, I don't know, like, college for me uh, is still something I'm trying to understand. Me too, yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to understand my is college something experience. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I'm, because it was just so, yeah, like, almost, you know, like a standard uh, brainwashing thing of expectation occurred yeah, of, like, what I, I went to, uh, school? I, no, I, I, that, I, I did that for grad school. I, okay. I went to LIU. In Long Island, oh, Long post, Island. and I went to St. John's for a couple of years too, in Queens. Okay. And yeah, yeah it's it was such a. I, I ended up like because things were not what I expected them to be. I didn't really make any effort to kind of and like reach out to people more. Yeah, that was because like because it I wasn't like, like what yeah. I expected. Yeah. And I ended up having this like weird kind of five years, of, and maybe like yeah, like towards the end I I would like was more social, but at least for like four years. Yeah. I was like, I was like, kind of in a state of like shock or not shock's probably too strong. Or disillusionment. Yeah. Where I, I was just like, all right, like whatever. I'll just go in my car during my break. You know, during my like break yeah, from class I and thought, just I that sit too. in my car by myself, yeah. or I'll sit in the lounge by myself yeah. and just. And like, what ended up happening was I, I, I felt kind of like betrayed by that experience when I went to grad school and I like really met the wider world and saw like. You know, I was, like, really turned off to, like, a lot of things that I could have been, like, turned on to, like, social issues. Right, and, like, right, yeah. And stuff like that, yeah. where, like, that, like, doesn't necessarily define me as a person. Yeah. But, like, I really had this thing where I felt like I was in, like, a cocoon for, like, a while. Yeah. And that's, like, not what it's supposed to be. So, like, yeah. It's, right. it's just, like, something I'm still, like, kind of trying to man. Yeah. You know, like, definitely, like, and that's, like, part of, like, this whole thing of, like... You know, what is an adult? Like, how do you be yeah. an adult? Like, what what do right. you do? You well, I know, think like, maybe, like, that's changing. Maybe the definition of adult yeah. is actually changing in our generation. Maybe that's, like, one of the things we have to figure out. Because, like, there are different types of 
um, like I feel like part of my problem and part of like what influences my writing a lot is that I, in some ways, I was very mature as a child, and I was kind of like a child adult, especially I think as a Manhattanite, as someone who's born in New York, like we're encouraged to develop faster. And then I got to once I was a teenager, like what do I do? Yeah. What do I do now? And um, I think that um, maybe that happens to other people in my generation too, because like we're all kind of um, exposed to a lot of information in early age. But I think maybe we there are different types of maturity. There's like emotional maturity. There's um, practical maturity. There's like life experience. There's um, intellectual maturity. Like I feel like we need to shape a new set of values for our generation because it's like it's not it's not the same anymore. Like being an adult doesn't necessarily mean like making a lot of money and having kids or husband and kids and like. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but I don't know what it means. Like, right, right, right. I can't say I, I know the answer to what yeah. it actually does mean. I just know that, like, a lot of... That, like, I'm not the only person of my age group who's complaining about, like, feeling like a baby and feeling, like, not financially stable yeah. and feeling just, like, confused and, like, and like a teenager still. Yeah. Um, like, I... Like, because I, I look back to my adolescence and, like, I can't believe that was so long ago. It does not feel yeah, like so long yeah, ago. Yeah. But maybe that's... Kind of, people are also... I think... Um, I think people are also aging better because we're less stressed out in certain ways. I think, like, like I mean, there's still, like, drugs and drinking problems. I think, like, in a way, time has kind of slowed down. Yeah. But I guess that's, that's kind of my optimistic take on it. Yeah, I think that can lead to when, when you feel like any person, like, you do all that stuff and, like, it doesn't feel how you thought it. Like, that's got to be, like, a shitty feeling, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, you know, so, yeah, they, cool. Like, really cool uh, conversation. Yeah. Problems, but, <laughs> you know, like, that's but life. Don't give you know? up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what, um, I mean, we're not alone. Like, that's the message I'm getting. Like, my roommates and my friends, like, they we're all going through a similar thing. Yeah. It's not like if I were the only one going through this, I'd be like, okay, maybe there's something wrong with me. Or maybe there wouldn't be. Maybe it would just be, like, yeah. what I was going through. But, like, um, but it's like we're all in this together it's a different time that's like totally like what I wanted out of that question I was hoping like yeah (laughs) because there's there's a long ass question it's like shit yeah it's a good question yeah yeah. cool alright so yeah just more uh, like oh we kind of touched on like your your next uh, project uh, yeah Poison Skies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It actually it actually comes from a, a song which I don't think you've heard yet um, called Run to the City, which is actually... Yeah, I did. Uh, your last set. And I liked oh, it a heard lot. It? I like that song a oh, lot. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. Don, hey, yeah. Don Pedro. You did that at Don Pedro. Oh, oh yeah. I like that, that song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a good song. Yeah. Run to the city, city, run yeah. to... Yeah, My dad yeah. wrote the melody and I wrote the lyrics <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. It's good. It's definitely... It's actually... It's specifically about Japan, but it also has like a larger meaning. So it's going to... That's like the title track on my EP because Poison Skies is the middle is like the bridge of it cool cool yeah. and what like last question kind of generalized or I'm just curious like if you have a vision like for yourself uh, in terms of where you're going artistically you know? well I definitely um I mean, I like to be more prolific and finish things more quickly. Yeah. Like, my main criticism, I just like to kind of do more of what I do, but just kind of, um, and just continue to explore, like, the themes of, of this never-ending adolescence, because I feel like I have, like, I feel like there's so much to be said about that. There's a lot to be said I feel like I, I still could explore more, and I feel like I could explore more spiritual spiritual stuff, because I feel like I, I touch on that, on, like, the subconscious and on, like, the supernatural. I feel like I could go further with that. Um, and, like, I have a new writing partner now his name is Liam Leone and he like he's um we, we've started writing stuff together and I think I also want to like explore themes about like gender and like gender ambiguity and stuff and um 
so I just like I want to yeah I just want to write more and like get better at finishing things and like increase my output and I also want to um, go on tour more often and I want to um, like spread my music around to other people and explore the other cities and just find something um, sustainable just like have um, have a sustainable growing fan base and output Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, wait, I, I just like totally ruined the sound because I touched it. But it's the end of the interview. Yeah, yeah.
Denmark.